Hello there. Thanks for joining us on the Christ Covenant Sermon Talkback. The Sermon Talkback is where pastors and members of Christ Covenant can process the sermon, ask questions, and more practically apply the content of the sermon. If you do have a question you would like to have dialogued, please use our text to pastor line at 404-465-1737. And if you'd like to find more resources, visit ChristCovenant.com slash resources. We hope you enjoy the discussion. So yesterday we um, continued in the pursue Atlanta. We talked about pursuing our place, pursuing our place in the city. It was a little bit of a kind of a play on an idea. We we were talking about having a building. I mean, having some sort of a permanent home for Christ's covenant, whether that's a long term lease or whether that's uh, you know we buy a building. Um, you know, that's kind of fun to think about, but it's also like hard to imagine. And it's also kind of a tricky thing to think about. So if you're a regular listener to the Sermon Talkback, I'll just invite you to pray about that because I I think we're going to need a lot of wisdom Mm -hmm. uh, as we kind of face that decision. Um, You know, a lot of, I'm just even thinking like um, where that is, is is really important. Um, um, So yeah, there's just a lot to think about there. So, but let's get to what we really wanted to talk about, the sermon talk back. And we were in Philippians yesterday. It's a really interesting passage. I mean, the passage that we could probably talk about the whole time, and I don't think we plan to, but even just, you know, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it right. is God who works in you to will and to work to his good pleasure. Um, just kind of this perfect balance of the Christian life where, it's a call to both action and faith, action and faith. Like yes. there, you, you're trusting in the Lord. And I use kind of the Kierkegaard thing to, to talk about the balance between, to use his word, being resigned from the world or being overly anxious, which is where mm-hmm. Kierkegaard was. Um, and <clears throat> the Bible has this wonderful way of calling us kind of into the middle of that, mm-hmm. um, where we, we're not passive in the Christian life, but we also have this anxiety overcoming faith in God uh, that can even leave us joyful in tricky circumstances or hard circumstances or difficult circumstances. Mm-hmm. And one of the evidences that we've gotten there, and then we'll jump into our conversation, is that we don't grumble. We don't <laughs> right. complain. Right. Um, so I, I, I kind of had a little... Uh, family Bible study with my kids this morning. We talked about a bunch of different things, but I talked about this first and I was like, Hey guys, Bible says don't grumble and complain. If y'all go all day without complaining or grumbling today, when I, if mom says you do it, I'll get home and get you two scoops of ice cream each, um, at, at Baskin Robbins. I mean, a real, like oh, a real treat. Yeah. yeah. Not, not just, not just the briars in the uh, freezer. Um, <laughs> But I'm, I'm, I think it's a pretty safe bet. <laughs> I think it's a pretty safe bet yeah. on my part. They're not going to make it, but we'll see. I wonder how the D's kids are doing. I don't know, but Jennifer, what were your, some of your impressions on the sermon? You thought about it, right? Um, well, uh, I always love how you, this start. How you point out that Paul starts with the gospel and then he applies it and the pattern, just pointing out that pattern in the letters, and it's so. 
helpful to be reminded of who God is and what he's done for you. And then he asked, therefore, this. It makes more sense. So we talked earlier also about this grum idea of grumbling and complaining really made an impression on me. And it reminded me of this quote that I had read from C.S. Lewis. And it says, hell begins with a grumbling mood, always complaining, always blaming others. But you're still distinct from it. You may even criticize it in yourself and wish you could stop it. But there may come a day when you can no longer. Then there will be no you left to criticize the mood or even to enjoy it, but just the grumble itself going on forever like a machine. And that's, um, you know, the way he describes hell. And it just made me, it kind of came together for me that grumbling, complaining is the language of hell. Yeah. It's not who we are. And it makes sense why God says that our speech should always be seasoned with grace and um, you know why he cares about the words that come about our, out of our mouth mm -hmm. um, because it does reflect our heart and we're trusting or not. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, th I think um, that's a very interesting thing to think about. You know, Lewis has this idea, I think it's probably from The Great Divorce, mm -hmm. like he has this idea that um, hell is basically the fullness of our sin, right? I mean, that's kind of what that yeah. is. Like it's... It's where you actualize your sin. You, you read the Great Divorce. Yeah, you know it's like a divorce, like a bus thing, and they like try to go to heaven, but they kind of don't really want to go to heaven because right. they want to keep grumbling. They don't right, want to be right. like rid of their selfish, sinful self. And anyway, that that passage it kind of makes me think of like the opposite of sanctification, or mm -hmm. you, I guess you could mortification, right? I mean, right. it's it's basically you're you're slowly dying. Sin sin eats you alive, mm -hmm. if if you will. Uh, to the point where you're not even able to critique the sin that's in your own life. That's a really, it's mm -hmm. a really, really helpful thought. And I think the grumbler, we were just even talking about this in terms of like even, you know, people, like this election has shown me people's total inability to empathize with people that disagree with them right. or to understand people that disagree with them. Mm -hmm. um, if you, and, and that's on both sides. I mean, that's not a Republican or a Democratic mm -mm. statement. I yeah. mean, so friends of mine on the left, like, cannot understand why anyone would, you know, be for Donald Trump. And then, you know, friends of mine on the right can't understand why everyone's not for Donald Trump. And they they can't understand a lot of what's going on. Um, to, they can't, like, look at the world with a critical or an empathetic or a listening eye. And I think it's kind of, to what you're, this quote kind of reminds me of that. It's like we, we get in a little worldview rut or a echo chambers, big word that's been tossed around. Mm -hmm. And um, we almost can't escape it sometimes. Mm -hmm. So right. we can't be patient in it either. Like we can't, I think that's part of grumbling too. It's like you can't just wait this hard situation out. You have to express your criticism about it in some way. And and so in difficult situations, we, we can't seem to be patient. Right. Um, Everything well. has to go my way now, yeah. you know, is really what a grumble is. Um, and I do think it shows a lot of our self-centeredness. Like, mm -hmm. are, are we really making decisions with others in mind at all? Or is it only really ourselves? And I think that is the grumbling heart. It's the selfish heart. It's the self-focused heart. It's the heart that can't... Um, you know, I, remember, I think I was driving with someone one time and they got cut off in traffic and I kind of got upset with the person that had cut us off. I wasn't driving. I was just riding. Mm -hmm. And the person driving said like, well, I'm sure they're wherever they're going. It's important. It's more important than where we're going. It's you know, gracious. Yeah. now that may not have been true. Right. right. You know, but 
their assumption was, right. um, you know, I care more about myself. I just was struck by that humility. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's not usually the way I respond. Mm-hmm. So. And this whole idea of grumbling also, just how you deal with it, um, falls perfectly in the idea of the third way. Because on the one hand, we can also say, like, just shut it down, keep all your um, fears and worries inside, don't, you know, don't speak it. But that's not what God's saying either. Mm-hmm. He's saying, you know, yes, don't grumble out loud constantly, become the grumble. But we, the Christians have a third way. We can take our complaints and our grumbles to God himself, and we can trust what he's doing in uh, the world and in these hard things that we all see. You know, we, we can see that there are problems. There are things that are not right. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's almost like an awareness of where real power is. Like, yeah, yeah I'm going to take this complaint to God because I know God. Like, I know who God is. I know he cares about what's just. I know he can do something about this. And then that will also kind of humble you to be able to speak in the right moments where you know this is when he's calling me to speak into this or to mm. to act some kind of change here instead of to just be a grumbler all the time. Right. Um, yeah. yeah. And that's the idea of fear and trembling. Like you will either live a life, I think, you know, what Kierkegaard, I don't even know if he, he like personally got there, but I think in his idea he's trying to get here. You will, and maybe nobody gets here uh, until glorification, right? Until the fullness of our salvation. But you will either live a life of fear and trembling um, around this world, what you can control, what you can't control, what your life is doing, or you'll live a life fear and trembling God, right? Right. And realizing Mm -hmm. he's in control, but you do, you can know him in Christ and you respect his authority and you trust his power. Um, So yeah, that's, I think, that's his kind of interesting play on that fear and trembling idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it keeps, and I think that if we're there, like I said it, yesterday, it keeps us out of, you know, resignation where we're just like, whatever, the mm-hmm. world doesn't matter. And it keeps us out of anxiety on the other side. Um, but it kind of things that, you know, it, it feels very much like people are riddled with both of those. Mm-hmm. Sometimes both at the same, at the same time. time. Right. Like, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but definitely one or the other. Which is the opposite, it seems, of like Paul, where like at the end of this, he's talking about being glad and rejoicing with me. But throughout this letter, you know, he's talking about how he's been persecuted, how he's been uh, treated poorly, how he's been treated badly. And yet he's able to rejoice in those things, yeah. which is kind of the opposite of what we were just talking about. Well, and that's what I think was interesting is like, even if I'm poured out as a drink offering, like even if, even if my... All my life is is just an offering. I mean, it's it's in a sense like this third way bounce. Like he doesn't want his life to just be an offering. Like he right. doesn't want his kind of life to be forgotten. But he's like, but even if it is, if you stay in the faith, I'm glad, and you should be glad. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. uh, that's very powerful. I mean, that's very. You know, there's something about the Christian life where if you really believe you've overcome death. Not much can get to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you you really are, in a sense, victorious in Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, if we really believe that, and that's the thing too, and I think you're going to say something on this, Jeremy, but it's, it's not just the Christian life calls us to a different kind of life, where it's like, okay, I'm a Christian now, I have to behave this way. In a sense, that's kind of pride, really. Mm-hmm. It's that the Christian life moves us to a different life. Like yeah. if you really see yourself present with Christ, 
you really see yourself as having died with Christ and been raised with Christ, there's implications to that. You you will just behave. I mean, it's kind of like if if you know you don't have to like convince a true Braves fan to watch the Braves win their National League championship. You know, mm-hmm. like they're gonna watch them. You know, they're gonna mm-hmm. they're gonna be all in. They're they're going to be excited. They don't have to say, hey, this is some. You know, dutifully, you should watch this Braves fan. Mm-hmm. No, it's like the thing that they, the very thing that they really want to do, mm-hmm. um, because they, yeah, they understand kind of who they are as a Braves fan. I mean, I think it's the same thing in, in Christianity as we, as we begin to understand who we really are in Christ and what He's done for us. The very thing that will just happen, that that will be true of us, is that there will be this kind of third way poise, this third way peace. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's something Christians even have to ha- try hard to, to, to get, though there 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 is effort in our pursuit of God. But once we see God, and once we, you know, ha- once we, you know, in the working out of our salvation. Um, there is this like poise that comes on the other side of that. Mm-hmm. And I, I so appreciated your your great emphasis during the sermon on identity and using different analogies to help us understand identity. And and you pointed out that even Paul here um, in this verse 14 connects doing all things without grumbling to being children of God. And mm-hmm. that's your identity. That's who you are. And it does, you know, the first question you should ask is, okay, well, how do I rest in that identity? How do I see myself in that identity? How do I see myself as raised with Christ, as someone who died with Christ? Like, what what can I do to remind myself of that? And I, that's even, I think, a good question to ask because we see that a Christian is someone who identifies with Christ. They have this strong identity. We know that means not to grumble. How do I make that connection, though? Yeah, and I think, like, it's really the gospel I mean, it's just being reminded of the gospel over and over and over again. I love the song that we sang. I was thinking about it yesterday. You know, my worth is not a what of my own. <laughs> and I, you know, I've heard that song a lot. We sing that song a lot. But I was thinking about the line, and I know this line. I think about this line a lot. But it just hit me again anew yesterday. Um, you know, two wonders here that I confess my worth and my unworthiness, yes. right? Mm-hmm. And so just thinking about my worth in Christ and my unworthiness of Christ kind of does that, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, it reminds me of my death in Christ, and it reminds me of my life in Christ, mm-hmm. who I am in Christ. I mean, baptism does that. I mean, we were so blessed by Mitchell's baptism yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, here's a guy that's willing to, you, you know, he wants to unite with Christ in his death, and he wants to unite with Christ in his resurrection, uh, which is exactly, you know, what we see throughout the New Testament. Um, and so, yeah, I think I think it's a lot of, I mean, you know what 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 brings us into the gospel narrative well it's the it's the stuff mm-hmm. right i mean it's worship it's hearing the gospel it's seeing the gospel acted out in baptism it's seeing the implications of the gospel in other people's lives mm-hmm. there is a light there right i mean and that's what it is like there is an aroma that when when you see someone like right now you know just seeing people that are like so stressed out over this there's not any are you drawn to that? Like when you see somebody that's overly anxious, when you see somebody that's stressed out, mm-hmm. are you drawn into that? Or are you kind of repulsed by that a little mm-hmm. bit? Mm-hmm. Personally, I'm kind of repulsed by it. I'm right. not like, I want to be more like that. I'm like, golly, I feel sorry for that person. Right. You yeah, know, it's not just a dimness of light, although it maybe is that there is something even like repulsing to that pushing away. Yeah. It's, it's more darkness yeah. is really what it is. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're, you're, 
you're giving yourself over to the darkness in the world's way of life. To Jennifer's point with the C.S. Lewis quote, this overcoming grumble. Yeah, that's what right. it is. The that grumble, is hell, basically. The right. grumble overcomes. Okay. Yeah. And, yeah. And I think that's, I think Christians right now really need to hear this. Um, Christians, and, and I want to be very careful in how I say this, because I think, like, I, I'm almost thinking, like, whatever I say right here is going to be misunderstood, which shows, like, how much trouble we're actually yeah. in, right? Yeah. But Christians right now, of course, we want Christian ethics to be apparent in our society, right? Of course, we want a society that understands and celebrates Christian marriage between a man and a woman. Of course, we want a society that understands um, what human gender is. Of course, we want a, decide, a society that celebrates uh, religious liberty um, and that protects religious liberty. Um, and I could just go down the list, right? Sure. Of course, we want a society that protects the immigrant that has mm -hmm. no help. Of course, we want a society that protects and cares for the oppressed um, that, uh, you know, because they're born into a certain social class or race or whatever, feel oppressed. Um, of course, we want a society that's bringing about equality for all and justice for all. So, yes, you know, whether those things are the things that the right tends to emphasize to the left, of course, Christians want those things, right? But what Christians must never do is to take on worldly grumbling or worldly mm -hmm. complaining or worldly means mm -hmm. in order to gain those things. Yeah. And to me, the fact that Christians are like, trying to weigh that out um, is strange to me. I'm like, what's happened to us here? Um, and again, I mean, I, I'm not even saying that, I mean, and again, that's that's not a call to passivity. Um, and I think this is an important thing for us to talk about. Like, there is a way to bring a concern. There is a way to confront sin. There is a way to, um, uh, you know, bring to bear unrighteousness right. that requires incredible courage, incredible fortitude, incredible strength, that also honors God. Mm -hmm. And there's a way to do that that's just like the world. Mm -hmm. And and that's where I, I would hope that we as Christians could be nuanced enough to understand what does courage like look like? What does our, I'm going to use air quotes here, fight look like in this moment. You know, I was having a conversation with a friend uh, last night and, and the friend was saying, when do you think it's time for Christians to put on the full armor of God, the, the, the full armor, they just said the full armor and fight for these things. And I think that they had in mind, like literally fight, like, mm -hmm. you know, we should, and, and, and I said, okay, well, let's just take the actual passage that you're sort of citing there probably incorrectly the armor of God and say, okay, how does this tell us to fight? And I think it's actually a good, uh, it's a good passage to think of it. Mm -hmm. You know, having fastened the belt of truth. So Christians aren't given over to dishonesty. You know, we're not giving over to cheating or to being deceptive mm -hmm. or to lies, mm -hmm. you know, about things because they prop our position up. And having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Okay. You know, that's how Christians fight. <laughs> Christians mm -hmm. fight with truth with righteousness, having shoes, having the readiness given by the gospel of peace, with peace, 
the shield of faith. We fight with our faith. That's as you were talking about earlier. Like faith is this, you know, the assurance of things hoped for, right? I mean, it, there's a there's a waiting in faith. There's a patience that is involved in faith. Um, you know, the helmet of salvation, our new identity. I think that's, I actually think verse 17 in Ephesians 6 is getting at identity. Mm-hmm. A helmet is, I mean, even like in football today, right? It's like a, it tells you who you're playing mm-hmm. for, right? Mm-hmm. Who is your identity? Mm-hmm. So the helmet of salvation, I think it's, it's you've changed identity. That's how we fight. We understand who whose team we're on. Um, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit, right? So this this is the, like, my point is, is Christians are supposed to fight, but this is how we fight. And again, I'm not saying that it's never time for Christians to take up arms or whatever to defend themselves. But, you know, I think some of the rhetoric that's being kind of tossed around right now is is unchristian. It's, mm-hmm. it's unhelpful. It's not who we are um, as Christ followers and some of the things that are even being celebrated right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so how do we fight? How do we carry out our life? We do it in a very different way than the world. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and here's one example. Don't mm-hmm. grumble. Yeah. Don't exactly. complain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Thomas Nelson yesterday kind of encouraged us as he, you know, came on, and was saying, you know, like, it's very dangerous to mix or just to, to flip being about the business of the church, mm. but or the business of God, and which is the work he's doing through the church, and not being like about God, not being interested in God. It's and easy to God. do that, isn't it? Isn't and easy. that can sometimes happen in lots of ways, I think, too, just in, in, a, in achieving like a, a just society or in achieving a kind of... Uh, just a society that reflects the views of the church and of the scriptures. Um, we can, we can flip achieving those kinds of things instead of prioritizing, like knowing God, reflecting God personally, uh, and, and, and living as someone who looks like Jesus. And, uh, if we, if we flip those things, then we're going to find ourselves employing tactics of the world to achieve Mm -hmm. Christian quote unquote Christian purposes and goals. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world? And lose his soul, you know. I mean, that's that's the. I think that's what we're talking about here. Like, yes, of course, I love religious liberty. I love religious freedom. Mm-hmm. I love like Western civilization that, in so many ways, reflects Christian ethics and morals. Um, but I, there's something bigger going on, um, and that is the kingdom of Christ. And and I don't want to, I don't want to defend Western Christianity and lose actual Christianity Christianity. in the process, you know? And so, um, yeah, that is something I'm concerned of. And I think that, so so let me just say it in a positive way, Mm -hmm. okay? There's a concern there. There's a threat there. Mm -hmm. But I think that this is such a great opportunity for Christians. Like, we, this is a time we can really shine like lights Mm -hmm. in the world. Like, how easy is it today to grumble and complain? How easy is it today to be divided? How easy is it today to create enemies and to create straw men and to create mm-hmm. tribes and everything else. Like it's, that's just what everybody's doing all the time. And if we don't do that, there will be an aroma, there will be a sweetness about us um, that I think will show that we're actually working out our salvation mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. fear and trembling. Mm-hmm. So any closing thoughts, guys? Jennifer, you got anything else? 
Just that um, when you were saying that, it just made me, reminded me of our Savior, Jesus. And when he came to the the world to explain to us who God is and to accomplish our salvation for us, he, he came into a world that was, you know, equally as oh, worse, um, worse, way yeah, worse, exactly. Yeah. In sexual and, ethics and way and more politics, divided, yeah. way more divided. And he described himself as gentle and lowly. He never panicked, never. He trusted uh, his father and he demonstrated how to go about the, these hard things that we're struggling with, how to confront people, um, speak hard truths, but also um, pray and trust and have compassion and love, um, love his followers. So, Anyway, he. Whenever I feel like I get lost in the weeds, so to speak, I can go back to Christ, and he is, um, he's the example, but also he's the means to all yeah. of this, the gospel that we were talking about. It's going to be hard to improve on that, Jeremy. So yeah. why don't we just it's close the it there? Articulation, yeah. The for Jeremy Brooks and Jennifer McClish, I'm Jason Dees. Thanks for listening. <laughs>